How's it going, Cody? And it's going good. How you doing today? I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm freaking ready to get back on. I've yeah. been itching. Finally, finally here. It's like the real Christmas is getting back on. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I uh, those times when you're off and you're you're hurt and stuff, you chomping at the bit, and it's kind of hard to be patient. But in most cases, you got got to be patient. Do what the doctors say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'm I'm probably coming back next week. I get a screw taken out of my ankle, so I probably I probably could have waited a few more weeks, but you know, it's everything's healed up. So we'll yeah, you gotta get all your practicals before you go interrupt or probably not i'm gonna go to fort worth and those bulls are i mean there's a few good ones but from you know what i've been seeing they're just about practice bulls up there so yeah they've been you know a lot of them are probably old rodeo bulls or calves that guys are taking so yeah so that's you know it's been pretty cold here too so it's not like it's kind of hit or miss on whether you're going to be able to go and get on somewhere or it's going to be freaking 15 degrees out so a little bit chilly <laughs> so <laughs> but man it's i've been waiting to have you on for a minute i think you've probably the most qualified person i've had on i've got had a few guys you know world finalists nfr qualifiers but you've done it both for a good while yeah, it's been a long time since too. <laughs> my uh, my memory of it all. I, I'm kind of one of them old guys, so I'm, my 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 memory might get. I might be better. Than, I might I might not be as good as I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> Heck, you did it, man! How many how many NFRs did you go to? I went I went eight times and uh, nine times to the PBR finals. Nine, nine qualifications, like. I think I rode. I think I rode eight times at the PBR, but I qualified nine times. Now at that time, because heck, I I wasn't even born. Well, I guess when the PBR started, that was when I was born. But how much of that overlap? So when you went over to the PBR, did you still rodeo full time? Like, were you doing both? Was we all, yeah, we all did. When we started PBR, it was. I mean, it's just the the guys that were rodeoing that we all kind of were. It's the same group of guys, so it was. Um, uh, there, there was no, really no difference in, I mean, you go, you go to PBR, you're riding, you're riding at, at the NFR basically every weekend. So riding against the best guys every time. And, and I think, I honestly think that there's so much stuff happening now that that doesn't happen, uh, as often as it should in my mind, because I think when you're riding against the best guys, it, it makes you step up and, and be better. So I think everybody's spread out now. There's little pods of guys that are great in the PRCA pods of guys are great. The PRCA, you know, different little places. And and I think, I, I think it makes you step to the next, it just makes you step up. And when you, when you know you're riding against the best guys every time, and it's pretty, it, it'd be pretty easy to avoid the, well, you, you can't, you can't bring, I mean, there's, there's a group of guys going to PBRs that don't rodeo and there's a group of guys rodeo that go, don't go to PBR. So they're never really, they're never really, uh, up against each other and riding in, you know, competition wise against each other. So I, I think that's a little bit of a uh, disadvantage to, um, to the guys themselves. Um, but I mean, it's a different world, a little bit different world just because there's so much stuff going on so many places you can go and really make good money. So uh, it's good on one hand. It's a, it's like a double-edged sword in my yeah, mind. 
did a lot. Heck, did bull riding. I mean, especially with the bull teams that they've had now, there's so many freaking places to go and a lot of places that pay really good. I oh mean, yeah, yeah. yeah and I think if a guy really wanted to, he could probably go to amateur bull ridings and make close to six figures. You know, a guy that's dominating. Guys, guys that are guys that ride good. There's, I mean, there there is guys out there that are that are doing that, and they're never, you know, they're never really going too far from home. Especially if you live down in Texas, Oklahoma area. There's there's stuff going on every weekend that pays well. So, yeah, hundred percent. What was that like? Because you know now, especially you know when you talk about PRCA and PBR, and there's some of those guys. There's a few of them that are doing both, like you see Josh Frost doing. But the scheduling conflict, I think, was, you know, a, a bigger issue when it comes to that. What was that like back when you guys first started it? Like when the PBR was founded, did they like try to schedule? Did you guys try to schedule it to where you could all go to the big rodeos as well? We did. We made sure, you know, we made sure there was no conflicts, conflicts with the biggest rodeos and stuff. And, that, you know, there was part of the deal of being on the Bud Light tour back then was you, you agreed that you weren't going to turn out at a Bud Light and go to, you know, go to a rodeo or something. And, and so it was a, you know, that was part of, that was part of the deal in the beginning. Cause, cause if we're, we're promising the best bull riders at, at, you know, in the world, then people are paying on that premise, then they need to come see the best guys, you know, and not, you know, the PR, the PRCA, the rodeos, there was guys always turning out, you know, tough might be up one night and, and somebody want to come see tough and he turned out. So they don't even get to see the guy they came to watch. And yeah. so it's kind of a, it, it, that's kind of how we set it up initially. Now, now there's just so much stuff going on. There's so many great rodeos that add a lot of money. There's, and then there's so many bull ridings that they have to kind of overlap. So it's kind of, it's one of them deals where guys got to make a choice. And I don't, you know, I think Josh, I, I think Josh Frost, I think he, I think he accepted the being on the tour and, and kind of had to miss some events. And from what I hear that Sage Kimsey's headed that direction too. So I, I don't, um, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs of, of the entering part of it or, you know, being a com, com, uh, competitor at this level, just cause I'm so far removed from that, that part of the deal. But, it's good to watch. I, I'm a big fan. I love bull riding. I love bull riders. I love guys that love it and um, love bucking bulls. And it's, you know, I, I'm pretty opinionated about things. I think guys need to be honest with themselves about where they're at. There's some guys that are going to the PBRs that probably should be rodeoing for a couple of years and gain gain some maturity and 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 some uh, some confidence and stuff like that. But that's you know that's between them and them. I'm not a guy that's sitting here going you know, trying to tell people how they do it. I got, I got some influence with a few guys and they ask me and I give my opinion, but I'm not really, I'm not down in anybody for choosing which way they go, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, like when I started, I was so far removed from rodeo. I didn't grow up in it. So I was 18. That's one piece of advice I wish I would have had earlier. Cause at that time, you know, I didn't like nobody, there was nobody that really pointed me in like, Hey, you know, take this pass and then go to the PBR. So, I mean, I think I made my, the first event on tour was in uh, 2017 and I would only been riding bulls for, you know, four years at that point. Yeah. I really had no business, you know, going and getting on those bulls that consistently. Like I should have developed myself a little bit longer instead of, you know, jumping from one 
<laughs> basically, whenever I got to where I was good enough to compete at one level, I jumped to the next level instead of really learning, like, you know, maybe. Dominate, if I went, yeah. Yeah. Going, if it's I would have went. Dominate in there. And, yeah. And I, you know, that's, that's what I, that's the advice I give to all guys that come to my schools. I, I'm like, Hey, just be honest with yourself. Don't, you got to challenge yourself, but if you go in over your head right away, then you never, you never really experienced having, having good success and, and, and gaining your confidence and, and maturing physically, mentally, um, and, and knowing what it's like to be, a, you know, a, a badass where you're at and, and feel like you're the top dog when you, when you step to the next level. And, you know, I mean, my, my story is when I grew up in Arizona and when I felt like I was the best bull rider in Arizona, I, I may not have been, but I felt like I was. And, and so I left and went, moved to Texas and went back there and rode bulls back there, you know, so I became a little fish in a big pond again. And so I had to really work hard to catch up and, and be, uh, and back then, you know, back then there was jackpots every, you know, I, I lived down uh, in Lampasas, which is down close to Austin and, and, uh, Waco in that area and that you could go to a jackpot every night within probably a hundred miles of, of land passes back then. And that, you know, the bulls weren't, there wasn't a bunch of juice hogs either. There were, there was a bunch, I mean, it was a drawing contest and there was, you know, there was some good spinners, but there was also some big old, you know, hard to ride dogs in there that you didn't really want to get, but you kind of, that experience, I think riding those kind of bulls and learning how to track those bulls that were, that were, uh, just trying to get you off their back. They really weren't bred to buck type bulls. I think that benefited, you know, benefited me. And I see a lot of guys that just practice on little duck spinners. And, and when you go get, you know, you go to the, the next level where those bulls are smart enough to step forward or, yeah. or maybe they have a little, little something to them a little bit more. They, they, they go backwards a little bit in there. So I think good practice bulls are, are ones that aren't, don't have a set pattern that are, that are kind of a little bit more difficult to ride and, and maybe not more difficult to ride, but just don't, they don't have a pattern. They're not patterned. They don't stay. If you watch Josh Frost and Joe, when he was riding the, the kind of stock they get on, they're not overly um, athletic, but they, but they have a lot of direction changes and a lot of movement forward. And so I, I think those guys both really benefited from that. And he, their dad, Shane's a good friend of mine. And I know he did that on purpose to help those boys learn how to track those bulls and not, not just ride duck spinners. Cause there's a lot of guys that can ride duck spinners, but when it comes to direction changes and, 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 you know, altercations in the, in the movement and all that stuff, I think they, I think they get a little bit overwhelmed and then, and then you can go to fight in your head. And then when that happens, then, then you're kind of sunk. If you get, get to a place where you're fighting your head, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I I definitely would agree with that. I think learning how to track bulls is probably one of the best things that, you know, when I first started, uh, old man in Illinois named Ray Cox, he used to actually uh, live with Jim Shoulders back in the day. And he did all the events and stuff, and he kind of took me under the wing. And for about a year, he said, you know, you he, he told me, he's like, I'll help you, but you can't go ride anywhere until I say that you're ready to. And, and when you go... And you got to go who I tell you to go with. And yeah. that was one of the biggest things, you know, she didn't tell me a, a whole lot that kind of, he's real old school. That old school mentality wasn't, he didn't talk about form. He, he put you on the right bulls to help you feel the right things. 
because yeah. you know, yeah. it was the feelings that were going to transfer once you, you know, are, are getting on the road pretty hard and getting on better bulls. Yeah. And I remember getting on bulls. I mean, heck, you never knew what those suckers were going to do. <laughs> they would be like a hot air balloon. Well, and it, I think it benefits you because you're not trapping them and you're not, you know, you're holding out to the front end. You know, the, the, the shoulders dictate where the bulls go. No matter what, how athletic a bull is or not, he's got to follow his shoulders. And so, you know, my part of my training is just a stationary barrel and driving straight to the front and stopping up front and hanging out up there and getting used to that being where, where you get back to and you do it without, without hesitation. You get there quick every jump. And, and when you do that, you're on top of their shoulders. So your, your foundation below your hips is strong. And then you can, you can handle, you know, you can handle the structure getting, getting tipped. If your structure gets tipped, you just level it back over the top of the foundation. And if your foundation is, you know, on top of their shoulders, it carries you to where they're going. And so I, I try to really simplify what I teach. I don't, Free arm, free arm movements are, are, uh, the last thing you use to get there. Um, if you're caught up in the free arm deal, I, you know, I really, I really stray away from free arm movement, just straight free, free arm control is, is really important, but, but being strong with your structure and your core and being, and, and not hesitating to get back square to the center every jump. And that's where I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a stationary barrel advocate uh, I drop barrels are good for timing, but I, I think if you give your full, full attention to that, you're giving something away. I, you yeah. know, to be honest, I think with the drop barrels, you know, what I found probably the most beneficial out of like the buck rights and stuff is more just like, uh, getting into bull riding shape, you know, working on building the muscles in your legs yep. and your core and not so much the form part of it. It's more, you know, that, like you said, I, I think the, the stationary barrel for me has always been the go-to just because, you know, I, I guess when I always started, you know, Ray always talked to me and then Gary, you know, I went to his schools quite a bit when I first started was like staying small, like, you know, your movements aren't big, like, you know, sometimes they have to be, but everything's kind of little and that foundation that you're talking about with like, yeah. Part of yeah. It, how do you keep weight on your legs? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's to to me i you know the, there's some terms that i don't use in my schools i i teach maybe the the premise of that but i don't use the i don't use different like i don't use set your hips i don't like that term because it it causes guys to push their shoulders away from the bull's shoulders in setting your hips the only reason you have to set your hips is because you're not lifting on your rope when you move forward and keeping your keeping your crotch on your on your hand and and so I, I disagree with the the straight arm uh, ideology. I, I disagree with pushing on your rope. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of give and take in that. But if you're not if you don't you know lifting on your rope isn't necessarily lifting. It's just pulling your core down and being strong, staying in that position. If you watch Jim Sharp, which in my mind is the greatest to ever have a career. Over, over a span of a career, Jim, to me, was he, he did one thing and he did it continually. He did it in a consistent manner, is got back to the strong place and held out. You know, he didn't do – there was not a whole lot of free arm movement. There was not a whole lot of anything other than just getting to one spot and holding that that position. So I I don't – you know, everybody everybody's going to teach a different way, and, and some guys are going to pick up on different lingo, and I've, I've really studied hard to – 
figure out what kind of lingo is is most beneficial to everybody as a whole. And then while I'm doing my schools, I'll I'll say something different to one guy because he's six foot two versus a guy that's five five. Yeah. There's different lingo that I use to make them understand what I'm trying to what I'm trying to accomplish. And you know, bull ride's not cookie cutter. Anybody that tries to teach it cookie cutters missing missing out on the individuality of every guy, you know. Was so but if you think about if you think about Owen Washburn compared to 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 Chris Shivers, there <laughs> there's two different two different builds of guys. You know, Owen six one or two, whatever. Chris was whatever it was five five or six, and he was a stout little guy. Owen was lanky. The one thing they did good is they held the front end when they were riding good. They were they were good at getting to the strong place and stopping. And and to in my mind, the stop place is forward over the top of your, you know, if you, if you take wrestling for, for, uh, you know, um, as your, if you're, if you're going off of athletic, anything athletic, you're in a strong position and wrestling a lot of, when you're wrestling, you get, you get in a, in a strong crunch, kind of a crunch position. And that's your, that's your leverage. And so I, I teach the same thing with my bull riding is, is, you know, lifting on your rope and looking at the bull isn't, isn't, sitting straight up and down and, and lifting and looking down your nose, it's pulling your face down and getting in a strong place. Like you're fixing to, like you're fixing to engage with somebody wrestling or, or fist fighting or whatever it is. And, uh, so, so I, I kind of, I just, I just got a little bit different look at it. And I, I try to, you know, free arm is so important to have that thing under control and, and not let your hand drop below your, your hand drops below your elbow. Your, your, given a lot away in the athletic strong position you know this this jim sharp look pushes your hips under you that elbow kind of leading with that elbow driving this shoulder down leading with that elbow you're covering up that off shoulder and keeping your hips under you so i just my 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 strategy is basically just doing one thing and doing it really well and that's getting on top of the shoulders in the initial move you know in the in the uh, as the bull's coming up in the front end and pushing with his hind legs, no matter which direction he's going, if you're on his shoulders, you've taken away, ha- you know, you've taken away having to get to a turn. You're already, you're already letting that bull pull you, pull your, your structure. I mean, your core, your structure might get tipped, but if you're, if you're, um, if you're what I call the foundation is your, is from your hips down. If, if you, if your structure gets pulled, but your foundation's in the right spot, it's easy to get the structure over the top of the foundation. Yeah. And so, so I've really, I really talked about, you know, like if you're, if you're blocking somebody in football and you can get their one foot off of the ground, you got them, you yeah. know, if you can, get, but if they got equal, equal weight on their, on their feet and they get their shoulders level back over the top of that, your hips, then you got to fight on your hands. And so that's, you know, that's where you got to, you gotta continually get to that strong spot where you have total control of your of your physical and and your foundation below you is still strong underneath. Yeah, I you know I as far as like that ling- lingo and stuff, I kind of went through this and heck, you know, a lot of my career has been you know self taught. You know, uh, yeah, I took stuff from Gary, but in Missouri there wasn't just a ton of you know r- you know really good bull riders going out there that were helping anybody and. And so kind of, I, I kind of did it all myself and, 
taking Gary's, I went to the extreme on a lot of stuff and I did exactly what you were talking about, straight arming and setting the hips. And those were the langos I kind of learned. I really struggled away, not away from my hand, into my hand for almost the entirety of my career. It wasn't until this past year, earlier this year, uh, this year that I, you know, started figuring out the end of my hand thing, which away from my hand, I guess I always lifted good away from my hand, but in my mind, I was always driving. And yeah. you still got to drive, but you got to keep yourself to the rope. Yeah. And that's the, you know, that's the biggest thing. And I don't, you know, Hey, everybody's got their way of saying what they say. And, and if you watch, if you go back and you watch there, the, the only, where the, where the straight arm idea came from, this is just my guess. It's not a, I don't know this for a fact, but, but it's, it's on, it's on a still picture of a bull whose feet are three and a half feet off the ground and a guy's driving forward. Well, yeah, but how many, how many of those kind of bulls do a guy, does a guy get on right off in their career? So if you start getting them to do that, then the only place they have to go is backwards and bulls aren't, they're not dropping and kicking hard so that, that getting to that, I mean, I I don't I don't remember ever seeing a picture of me with my arm straight. Now it's straighter than it was in some pictures, you yeah. know. But you take it if you take the wholeness, the the full, the full eight seconds of the ride. There's there's not you're not pushing on your rope, okay? You're you're riding the, you're riding the momentum of what the bull's doing, and yeah. so ninety you know ninety five percent of the bulls in the world don't kick the first jump. So if you're not lifting on your rope, when you leave the chute, you're going to get set back to your pockets and then you're going to be chasing from the start. So you got to have them, you know, I, I teach to get your hips under you a little bit, a little bit like a bareback rider almost so that, so that your foundation, and then you mash with your legs and push down into that bull. Now your foundation is strong and, and you leave the chute in a, in a neutral position where you got some place to move. Cause if you, first thing you do drive forward, there's only one place for you to go. And, and it, unless you're on riding solo or something like that, they don't kick over their heads the first jump. And, well, and so, you know, that's just kind of my way of looking at it and thinking about it. I know for me, like what I found was, and actually the Brazilians were the ones that were helping me with it. Cause all the Americans, I don't, I mean, I, I guess it was just the way it was communicated. And that's the thing about teaching for a long time. I thought, man, I'd like to teach it, but, there's so, like you were saying, I mean, there's so many different people and people feel things differently. And so like you have to communicate something in, in a way that somebody can feel it or find that feeling. Wow. Um, and for me, like what was happening is I would either, like you were saying, I would drive over the front leaving. I would either slide back or I would get over the front. And when they left, when they went to drop out, I had no strength with my arm. So I was coming off my rope. And it would slide my hips to the outside that first corner. And and the Brazilian, he's like, you need to get strong. He said, just hold on to that rope hard and then leave and do exactly what you're doing. And really started experiencing what it's like for them, your hips to actually suck up underneath that rope. <laughs> well, and, and if you think about it, it it's your, your pivot point riding a bull is your knees. It's not your feet. Like if I'm if I'm playing basketball or football, my my strength is in my feet pushing into the ground and being strong with your knees bent and kind of being in that position. But, but you don't have that on a bull, you don't, your feet aren't touching anything. So your knees are really the, 
the pivot point and your knee needs to be in the bull's shoulder. It, it can't be, if it's dropped straight below your hip, you don't have a good, a good way to get forward and, and not get, not get top heavy and feel like you're fighting the front end. And so, you know, the way I, my way of teaching is slide your feet forward and get your hips under you strong and then mash your legs while they're still on the, on the, on the chute and then pull your feet off while you're mashing and push down and that just rolls everything into those shoulders and so now your pivot points in a, in a strong place where you can the initial move out of there you just get up there and then hold and and most of the time you got to hold for two jumps because most of them don't kick even yeah. at the you know even at the the long round level and at the pbr they don't they don't kick the first jump yeah. they kick the second jump and if, yeah. you, so if you're so if you're really worried about the front end, just get over the top of the shoulders and don't fight, don't fight having to stay way forward. You just get, get on top here. I mean, it's like if I'm going to, if I'm going to engage with somebody blocking somebody in football, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't get way too forward. I just get strong over the top of my, my, my foundation and, and let my structure have some, uh, some control. And so it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's easier, it's easier to, to, for hands on for me, cause you can't really, ex, you can't really describe it totally where, where, the, where it's understood. And then, and then back to the stationary barrel, the, the thing I like about the stationary barrel, it, it affords you the ability to find that strong place over and over and over on a drop barrel. You might get there, but you don't know. Yeah. But on, on a stationary barrel, you move forward and then find that place and you can stay there for three or four or 12 seconds, however long you want to stay there and know that you feel that you're strong all the way from the bottom of your chin all the way down to the bottom of your calves. Yeah. And so, you know, that's why I'm, that's why I'm kind of a stationary barrel advocate. And I, you know, I've, I've, I've used mighty bucky. I've used the, the drop barrel, all that stuff. And I, I think they're good for timing, but, but in, in, in actuality, I think the stationary barrel gives you more, um, it gives you more benefit than you think it does. It, it's, it's kind of, it's almost a little bit boring, but if you create scenarios in your head and stuff and get yourself into your hand and, and, and get back, you know, square those level, those shoulders back up or get behind and level back up over the top of your core, then, then, you know, one place to get and you just get there. And yeah. I really, I've never really talked to Jim Sharp about his, about his, way of you know thinking when but i watched him enough to know that that's all he thought about was just getting that one spot yeah and and you know free arm stuff was was really the last thing he was thinking of yeah he didn't freaking it was you watched jim sharp once and you've watched him about every time <laughs> yeah i mean he's he, honestly the most boring bull rider on the planet <laughs> so i tell guys hey try to be boring like listen <laughs> <laughs> win us a few gold buckles you know but uh <laughs> I, I just think you know that there's a lot of guys that got better pictures than jim sharp but jim sharp's got two more gold buckles than almost everybody else in the world you know <laughs> so so i don't know that's just my way of thinking what's up everybody i'm thrilled to announce a fantastic partnership between the rodeo wagon podcast and rodeo life official Rodeo Life isn't just a coffee brand. It's a veteran-owned business that epitomizes the principles of hard work, dedication, and perseverance in all their products. As an avid consumer of Rodeo Life coffee, I am proud to align myself with a company that mirrors my values and resonates with our audience. 
Supporting this veteran-owned business is not only a testament to our shared ethos, but also a way to give back to those who have served our country. This partnership promises exciting content, collaborations, and surprises for all our listeners and the rodeo community. You can anticipate special episodes featuring the Rodeo Life experts and even a chance to win some Rodeo Life merchandise. We look forward to this journey with Rodeo Life and the enriching experience it will bring our audience. Join us as we venture into this partnership, fueled by a passion for rodeo and a great cup of Rodeo Life coffee. Stay tuned for more exciting updates and the amazing things to come from the Rodeo Wagon Podcast and Rodeo Life Official. Make sure you go to rodeolifeofficial.com and check out all their sweet merch. Are you searching for that perfect statement? Look no further than Bluegrass Engraving, where creativity meets craftsmanship. Their specialty lies in creating custom buckles and dip cans, but that's not all. They redefine elegance with an exquisite line of jewelry. And for those who appreciate a little flair, check out their engraved guns collection. At Bluegrass Engraving, they don't just create products, they craft experiences. Visit Bluegrass Engraving today and let them turn your visions into engraved realities. Bluegrass Engraving, where artistry meets authenticity. Hey there, folks. I want to tell you about my favorite cowboy hat brand, Sombrero Brands. As a professional bull rider, I know how important it is to have a hat that not only looks good, but can withstand the toughest rides out there. And that's exactly what Sombrero Brands delivers. Their hats are custom-fitted and shaped to perfection, with a level of attention to detail that's hard to find these days. But what really sets Sombrero Brands apart is the fact that they're a family-owned and operated business. Mark and Kendall Holler, the owners, and their daughter Sarah, who's only 13 but already a hat-making prodigy, are all passionate about their craft. They know what it takes to make a cowboy hat that can stand up to anything the rodeo circuit can throw at it. And get this. The founder's grandfather, Polly Holler, was born and raised at South Camp on the Four Sixes Ranch. These folks have got cowboy blood running through their veins, and it shows in every hat they make. That's why I'm proud to have Sombrero Brands as a major sponsor for my podcast, the Rodeo Wagon Podcast. So if you're in the market for a hat that's tough enough to handle anything the rodeo throws at it, give Sombrero Brands a try. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. Yeah, he freaking he did it, and he did it consistent too. I yeah. heck, and I, other guys, I just use Jim just because he we're the same age. He came along a year after I did, and and just totally dominated. Where when is I, it? When I first started, I guess that that kind of person would have been Cody Lostro. You know, when I first started, I watched Cody a lot, and he rode pretty much the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a lot like. You know, Mike White, there's, there's, you can start naming the guys. Clint Bronger's one that, you know, gets, doesn't get remembered as much. He was great at, at that one thing. And he, I watched, I watched Clint probably when I first started. I watched him away from my hand all the time. Like I watched away from his hand and I freaking, that, that's exactly, if you watch me right away from my hand, when I first started, probably the first four years. That that was the per- person that I tried to mimic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Obviously, I mean, it's not the same because, you know, body type and everything, but that was the person away from my hand I wanted to be like. <laughs> and everybody's got their own individual style. And, th- uh-huh. you know, some guys some guys, some guys have strengths that the other guy doesn't and weaknesses. But, but the one thing that everybody that rode great did was they stayed down to the shoulders. They let the shoulders be everything. And... I don't care who you're talking about. There's, you know, even even Michael Gaffney, who rode a little bit high, he was on top of their shoulders. 
yeah. you know, he, he got back to that, that spot in a consistent manner. And uh, so I, I just, the simplicity is what I go for because if you give guys tools that they can fix something with, then they can fix it themselves and they don't have to come, come back to, you know, which I don't care if guy ever comes back to my school, if he takes, if he takes what he got and it's the right stuff, then, then he, he's able to know what to do to get, you know, get, get a slump taken care of or whatever. But anyway. Um, what it, I mean, heck, what, what's it, you know, I, I know you see like, obviously the, the riders from each generation you've seen, you know, about all of them, uh, but really the bulls, like that, the breeding from back when you started to what it is now, I, what's your opinion on that? Cause well, that's, that's used to it, but it's a loaded question because you'll, you'll get some guys saying, oh yeah, you know, them bulls are no different. They're, they're, they're different in the fact that the depth of, the depth of the kind of bulls that we um that we really desired to get on is is so much deeper now and 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 i'm not saying you know that, that's those old guys say you know this generation's not as good as we were or what i i don't get into that i i think i think there's as much ta- there's there's more talent there's a deeper pool of talent going right now than there was back in 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 the day now there was probably more bull riders. Uh, you know, you'd go to a bull riding and be a hundred head bull riding, and you don't see those anymore. You don't see that many guys show up. But there was always guys there that weren't prepared, and and the same's true today. There's always guys that show up that are not prepared, and that's the part that, to me, with the Cowboy Channel and you getting to watch every time, you can see there's a lot of guys that are definitely not prepared. And personally, for me, I, that's a that you're you're just throwing money away and instead of going and getting ready getting prepared so when you go you know you you see these all these rodeos where they they might ride one or two bulls and yeah the bulls the bulls are way way better in in a um, quantity of good bulls but those bulls that you see now that were that that are like almost every bull out of the chute are the ones that we wanted back in the day. And you might get on 10 head before you got on that bull. And so you couldn't waste him. And so I think now, I think a lot of guys get, uh, they, they get to the place where they're, they're making excuses for falling off and, and Hey, not nothing, nothing against this generation. Cause I got a lot of, a lot of guys that I know that are really good, but, um, it's the same old, it's the same old deal as just not making excuses and being prepared when you get there, taking advantage of that, that opportunity when you get there. And so I, I think it's just a little bit, your generation has what we dreamed of in yeah. having written rules and not having to get on a bunch of pieces of crap, which is, which we did. We got on a lot of bulls that were, that they're go to the sale barn nowadays, you know, at the yeah. same time, I, I think too, like you know, and this is probably me and Kyler. I just had him on. I think that podcast gets released today, uh, Kyler Oliver, and we were talking about you know, uh, even even right now, you know, you when you get to that high level and you get to the PBR championship round, and there's still there's only so many guys even nowadays that want to get on those bulls, yeah. and you know, I think there's I think the 
there's a higher, maybe more higher level bulls, but there's still probably the same amount of bulls that are, you know, really rank. And there's still only a select few that really want to get on those bulls every weekend. Now, for some guys, like they love to get on a riding solo once so that they can tell that story. But how many guys want to get on him every weekend? You know, I, I still think there's only so many that uh, guys that really want that. Yeah. Um, and I, you know what? You can't, you can't, you can't talk somebody into wanting it. And that that's, uh, you know, doing all these schools, I, it's easy to see. It's easy to see after the first session of getting on who really wants to ride bulls. There's yeah. a lot of guys there that are, that are there for whatever reason. It might be mom and dad paid for the school or mom and dad wants it more than they do or, or whatever but but you can always see the guys that are like you're going oh that guy that guy's got the goods now he just needs to put it all together and so it's a you know bull riding's bull riding it's all it's all cool to to watch on tv and think that you want to be a bull rider but what are you doing you know what are you doing to get there are you getting on are you going to the practice pen and getting on six or eight bulls that, that you have a chance to ride and, and that's the part, like, I really, I really talk to guys about being strategic about what, what bulls they get on to try to prepare for the weekend. Because, you know, I hear the, well, how are they going to learn to ride rank bulls if they don't get on them? Well, they got to learn to ride, they got to learn to dominate easy bulls and mid-level bulls and good bulls before they start getting on rank bulls. And, and you, you know, I mean, you test yourself a little bit, but, but I always go back to, the foundation is it, it goes back to, to baseball when they have a, you know, when you're, when you're in batting practice, you don't try to hit a 95 mile an hour slider every time you get your hand eye coordinate, you know, coordination together by hitting slow pitches. And most of them are down the pike, you know? And, and so to me, I think, you know, I, my, my personal story is I got on probably 2,500 head of steers as a kid and, and the way the setup was, we had rope and shoot here and a bucket shoot here, and the strip and shoot was down 300 feet at the end of the arena. So what those steers do? They just went to the out gate, but they were flanked and they were jumping and kicking. And yeah. so I, I experienced dominating until I decided to get off for for three summers at, at our place. You know, we had a rope and arena, and 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 so they doubled as bucking steers. And I got on, you know, the number 2,500 is not, uh, it's not a stupid number. It might be a little low. It might be a little high. I don't know. I might've got on more than that, but invariably I'll, I'll tell this story at a school and I'll say, how many do you think I bucked off of? And, and I'll have some, some kid pop off and say 50%. I'm, I'm like, no, if I bucked off of 5%, I would be surprised. And it wasn't because I was great. It was because I was getting on the right kind. They had some, they had some belly rolls and some forward movement and each steer was built a little different or had a little different something to him. But I got good at riding, tracking the, the forward movement and this kind of stuff. But yep. there was, no, there wasn't any spinning going on. There would one every once in a while would turn back and probably buck me off. I, I don't know. But my point is, is I got myself good at, tracking the forward movement and a bull a steer going away from me so when i got on my first bull i was totally prepared i was scared crapless you know i i had my my nuts were in my throat type of deal you know but i had there's no way that bull was going to buck me off because he was just a junior bull and i i rode him easily and so so my my whole 
thought process behind that is you take any other sport, they don't put a sixth grader against a 12th grader. Yeah. They put sixth graders against sixth graders and they move them up as they advance. Then they get to the point where they can, they can handle, you know, they go to college They're they've, they've stepped the steps. And, and so it, you know, I, 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 I battle a little bit with, um, you know, bull guys that want to take stuff to, to youth events. And, and, you know, when you're a grown man, whatever it's, you're going to get, you're going to get in over your head sometimes, but I don't think, I don't think kids should be in over their head. I think they should, I think they should continually be in a, in a position of dominating as they're, as they're physical, as they're developing physically, as they're developing mentally and as they're, they're building their heart to be a real bull rider down the road. Because who cares who the junior bull riding champ was last year, except him, except for him and his family. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody's going to, nobody's going to know who the, you know, the 2014 bull riding champ at the junior high finals was except for him and, you know, there's, but there's going to be a small group, but, but nobody, that isn't, that isn't the, the pinnacle of what, what you're trying to get to. So, so take those things. If you, if you fail down there, keep working and and go to the next place and and gain something there. It's like going to amateur rodeos gain, you know, have yourself a plan, a game plan is my, you know, my uh, advice always. And you know what, there's, you know, Stetson Wright was when he was little, I tried, you know, I tell, I told him, I said, Hey man, go rodeo for, or not Stetson Wright. Sorry. Uh, Jess Lockwood. Oh yeah. Rodeo, go rodeo. I told him that, you know, go rodeo. And he, he's PBR determined. Now he rodeoed when he was 15, 14, 15, 16 at this amateur rodeos in, in, in Montana. So he actually did what I was telling him to, but I was trying to keep, I just wanted him not to, he's a little, little guy and small framed and not, you know, not fully developed yet. Guess what? He went and proved me wrong, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because he's that determined and he's a badass and he had a work ethic and, and all that stuff, but he's one in a million. There's not, there's not those kind of guys on every street corner. And so there's a lot of guys that got to work through the process to get to a place where they're on a great level. And so, you know, I, Hey, good for Jess, man. That, that guy was something to watch. Like there, there's no, you know, I want, I went back and watched some of his highlight videos from a couple, a couple years he won the, won the world. And there was nobody better at getting one, getting straight forward and stopping. He had a little more free arm movement than I would, you know, than I would have liked, but that's his style, but he was great at getting, getting to, back to the front end that one place. And you, you talk about, you know, like Stetson rights like that. And there's, you know, there's there's tons of guys like that. I'm not, you know, just picking those guys out. But the the reason I even start talking about Lockwood is is because because I tried to advise him when he when he was young to go rodeo, go rodeo, go rodeo, and he went PBR and won the won the world. But how many other guys came on the PBR scene and were a big deal and you never heard of it? You know, they they were a bottom feeder their whole career because they didn't allow themselves to go develop physically mentally and and have and come to the pbr prepared for what they were going to face because the pbr is a different grind than than rodeo on or you know it's 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 facing great bulls every single time and so you know and not to knock anybody i don't you know i i can i could start naming guys that i feel like 
left something on the table by not going and rodeoing and, and are in the PBR and they're, they're good guys or, you know, but, and I'm not going to do that. Cause it just, I mean, that'd just be me being an old, you know, <laughs> this hit, trying to knock somebody. That, that's not, I've never, I've never been that guy. I've never told anybody you suck. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't, I, I try to be an encouraging guy and I'm always lifting guys up and trying to, you know, trying to help them get to their place. Now, if I need to tell a guy, Hey, you know what? You need to go rodeo for a couple of years and grow up a little bit and figure this stuff out so that when you get the PBR, you're not getting your ass handed to you every week. And yeah. so, um, you know, and, and I'm just, I'm a guy that's kind of, I'm not, I don't give my advice outside of uh, having permission. Cause I, you know, guys that I have some kind of, relationship with or i've spent time talking to or they've asked for advice um cody jesus is a perfect example we talk a lot and you know he i feel like i i've been able to help some of his stuff and you know in the end it's not it's not me that's made anybody i'm a i'm a small piece of the puzzle but but i like to keep being a piece of the puzzle and being you know having influence in guys lives and 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 this, this bull riding deal it it goes away before you want it to most yeah. guys. And, uh, you know, I, you see, there's very few guys that quit on their own terms really. And, yeah. Well, heck even, even injury, you know, I mean, yeah. we don't look at off season every, every time I've taken a break, it's because I've been forced to take a break. Sometimes it's been my own fault. There've been, you know, now I realize, heck, there's a time, you know, when you're grinding so hard that you really are burnt out and you need to take a couple weeks otherwise you're going to end up getting hurt and you know there's been a few times where i probably got <laughs> hurt because physically you know i'd been going so hard well and there's times you got to fight through it you got to you know this is a cowboy sport but there's also there's also uh, a long-term plan that, you, that needs to be in place and if you got to take a few weeks off to get right by by trying to ride injured sometimes guys get hurt in a different you know, they heard something else trying to, trying to, and they know, and they know in the, in the heart of their hearts that they're not really ready. They need to go take time off and they don't do it. And so, and you know, it's super, it, it depends on the context. Heck, there's been, you know, yep. times where you should grind through it. And then there's times like I remember my knee was shot and Tandy was telling me to get surgery. And finally it took Matt Triplett coming up to me and saying, dude, you're never going to ride to your potential until you get that knee fixed. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the hard thing of being, you know, having some patience, but you, you got to, sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes you just got to do, do what you're told and do it, do it the best, you know, take the best advice. But I mean, I, I can talk about times when I, I didn't take Tandy's advice and it worked out and times I didn't take his advice and it didn't work out, you know? So there's, you know, you just, there's times you, there's times you got a damn sure cowboy up and, and go at it but there's also times you got to step back and just give yourself a little bit and be because because confidence is king if you if you have confidence even if you're battling an injury or whatever you can you can ride through it but if you have no confidence even even if you're 100 percent healthy you, you're you know you're leaving something you know you're, you've left something on the table and so I that's why what you, i tell you, guys continually get on stock that they know they can ride in the practice pen so that when they walk away they're walking in the weekend with their shoulders pulled back and going okay i'm fixing to go slay some rather than going god i hope i don't draw number 18 or whatever you know whatever the 
the scary one is or whatever. The skill development, and I don't know why in this sport, it's not the biggest thing in the world, but, you know, you look at, like, baseball, and you tell me how many rookies are under the age of 24 years old. There's not that many. I mean, there's not too many guys that get into the MLB. There's there's guys that are talented, freaking they're oozing with talent, and they have hunger, and they have drive, and they're still 25 years old before they get into the big leagues. Oh. I've been asked, you know, I've been asked why why the Brazilians do so well, and and that's that's part of the answer because very few of them come over here as an eighteen year old kid. Yeah, most of them are twenty something when they get here. Okay, the other thing is, is they they they've lived in poverty. A lot of them, they know what true poverty is. America, we don't we we don't know what poverty is. You know, my I can't get Wi Fi is 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 a problem over here. You know, and so and not not being mean or anything but if you're if you're a guy that wants to ride bulls and you're wherever you're from you're from brazil you're from australia you from america whatever if your work ethic doesn't outdo your talent level you're done you got talent level and work ethic if my work ethic stays here my talent level drops if my work ethic goes here my talent level rises and so I don't care who you are. If you don't work, if you don't put the work in, it don't matter. And some guys are going to have more talent and it's going to become easy. It's going to come a little bit easier for them. But I know lots of guys that didn't have the talent as the, you know, the guy that was kicking their butt every weekend and, and their, their household names and the guys that were kicking their butt didn't have any work ethic and nobody's ever heard of them. Well, and I think some of that, you know, heck, uh, that Brazilian that just won the world last year, you know, he's in, in his thirties, comes over, wins rookie of the year, wins the world. But when I started and I know, look, I get it from a business side of things like the PBR, you know, the young, it's not just PBR, it's MLB, it's NFL. It's all of these, these businesses that can make money off of really highlighting the young guys coming in these, these next. Yeah. Super- but the unfortunate part is like for me, I was 18 years old when I came in and I, all I knew about anything was I watched PBR, right? So I was watching these guys on, on TV. Well, at 18, I thought, Hey, I'm behind. Like I, I don't have time to go through what I know my baseball background tells me I need to do. Like there's a process, but I thought, heck, I'm, I'm so far behind right now. I'm going to be forced to jump into this thing like immediately. And yeah. I did so, and, you know, it, it hasn't been the worst thing in the world for me, but I've certainly seen the downside of that over the years. If I would have taken the first four years and said, look, you know, you have five or six years here to develop this slowly. I don't need right. to enter PBRs when I've been riding bulls for two years. Yeah, yeah. And that, so how old are you now? I'm 29. 29. So, so that 29 years old, is not really it's not that old if you if you're if you go through the process and and that's to me i think lies a lot of guys get old young because they just get they get slayed too much quickly and you're gonna you're gonna face injuries i don't care who you are you're gonna face some sort of injuries riding bulls it's it's a known fact but the the longer you can the longer you can not put put yourself in that position before you become a real man, you know, and and 18, there's a few guys, but most, most guys at 18 physically 
and mentally are not, they're not grown men. They're still, they're still kids, you know? And so that's, that's always been my advice. And I, you know, the PBR, I, whatever, I think they, I don't think they have that, that mentality of trying to, you know, they don't have, they don't have a good feeder program yeah. in my mind. They don't have, they don't have a, and, and for whatever reason, I, I think, you know, I think the PRCA and, and amateur rodeos and these, these, bull team events where you get on some some bulls that are a little more geared towards rider that that's the feeder program but but there's no there's nobody controlling that and there's nobody saying hey you're fixing to go to the big leagues or you got you got to stay back here for a minute let's let's work on this and so it maybe this team's deal is going to be a little bit of help to that if if they do it right i don't i don't know anything about it i'm not i'm, I'm friends with michael gaffney and 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 uh you know, I mean, I spend I spend time talking. I'm I'm friends with all those guys that are coaches, yeah, yeah. but Mike's the one I've talked to the most, and a little bit of Ross Coleman. I don't know what those guys' ideas are. It would it would do well for the PBR for those those team owners to start to start a really good some some sort of feeder program. I don't know what that is, and I'm not a <laughs> not a, you know I'm not a guy that has has any answers. I'm just saying. They, there's too many guys that show up on unprepared for what they're fixing to get into, and I think that I think they'll be forced to with the team stuff. Um, I think they the first year they found it out because I, you know, I don't know if you remember, and I, again, I'm not going to name names, but the that first year there was a lot of guys that were drafted that were young, and me and Keith were talking about it, and there's there's at least probably four of them, three or four of them, where we we said these they didn't scout these guys enough. Like these, these kids are about to get introduced to something that they don't know how to handle yet. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't knock anybody. I Brady Turgeon and I are pretty good friends. I've known him. He's been, he's been to some of my schools. He got, he got in over his head without knowing it. And, and he made the PBR files because he, he rode a couple of bulls that really fit his style or a handful of bulls that really fit his style. But those ones with some change up and all that stuff, he wasn't quite prepared for that. And and I don't it's not to knock him. He just hell, he's gonna go where he's gonna go to the you know, if you're if your idea is not to get to the top level, then you're probably in the wrong business. But there's a process of doing it. And now Brady, you know, he's struggling with some injuries and stuff like that. And to go rodeo for a couple of years and grow up a little bit, get some strength and you know, he's, he's still a skinny little guy. He's probably stronger than I am now, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like he, that's a kid that, and we're friends. That's the only reason I use his name because we've kind of had a little discussion about it, but he's, he's a good kid and he's got talent and stuff, but he just wasn't really prepared for what, what was ahead of him. And, and it's, you know, it's easy to let's, let me, let me rephrase that. That's not easy to get to the, to get to the PBR, to get into where you're getting into the, into the, the UTBs is not as difficult as it should be in my mind. I, I'm, I'm with you. How does it get there because of injuries, because of, you know, they, they do well at coming some of the lower, lower end deals and then they get drafted, you know, they get pulled up or whatever and they just aren't ready for it. And, and so I, there's gotta be a way for that to, to be changed, but which I'm not the one to say it. I don't, I think the team's deal. I, I personally think, the team's deal should have they should have dumbed the bulls down a little bit and let the superstars have get on a bunch of practice bulls and let the the these 
18-year-old kids that nobody ever heard of come in and compete with their heroes and have a good chance. There's a lot of them that didn't have they they were in over their head and they didn't know it. And yeah. like you said, they didn't they didn't vet them enough to to know where they'd been or what they'd done. And well, I'm telling yeah, it, it, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback. I can sit here as a guy from the outside and watching in road bulls and how I might do it or whatever. None of my business. It's really none of my business. Nobody's asked me, so I'm not. You know, my opinion doesn't mean doesn't mean anything. But that just if it was me doing it. I would, I would, I would take care of those guys that could be few superstars yeah. in in seven or eight or ten years. I'd take care of them boys, but it doesn't seem to me like that's happening. Yeah, yeah. I, heck, I think the hardest part about when you get into like the team stuff, because I I love so much of it. Like I think there's opportunities within that structure that's great. The downside is, is, you know. My agent, Vinny, you know, he played pro ball and, you know, you get into those big sports leagues and it's cutthroat. I mean, you're just, you, riders don't matter at that point, just like, you know, in baseball, those baseball players don't matter. And you don't see that because what you see is you see the guys that made it that are, you know, you don't see the countless of young kids that kind of get, you know, thrown to the wayside you know and in this sport that could be a guy's life that could be his entire yeah. career very quickly if you get hurt a lot well they got a show to put on so that's what they're you know that's where their focus is which is which is right but to me i think i just like to see some kind of organized legitimate feeder program to really help these guys get there yeah. and i don't know what that is if i was a team coach i'd have my way of doing it and i'm not so i doesn't matter it's none of my business i think though i i think if you know the plan is to grow the team part whether they're thinking that now you almost are going to be forced to do that because if you want to have as many bull riders as they want to have and they've talked about having you know last year they they were talking to us or earlier this year they were talking to us about doing a minor league teams and stuff like that and like all of that's great but like, how are you going to prepare guys to come to these? Because I've been to UTBs where they brought on Billings, Montana. They took 45 guys. And the championship the championship day, the three-day event, the last day, 22 bull riders got on. You're telling me that at the highest level, you killed off that many of some of the toughest individuals doing it. What yeah. are you going to do for the next level to where you can prevent that from happening. And that's something that's going to have to be addressed. If, if, if this is the thing though, if you still want to have the best bulls in the world versus the best guys. They had a little, they had a little team, uh, like a, like a coach's deal a couple of weeks ago, which I, I wasn't officially invited to. I got told about it a couple of days beforehand. So I didn't, they were one guys that were, doing schools and stuff like that show up. I, I had other stuff planned, so I didn't, I didn't show up, but which I didn't get a legitimate invitation anyway. So it didn't matter, but uh, you know, that's part of the stuff that I don't know if that got discussed there, but that would have been a good, good subject to be, you know, to go into and talk about how they're going to, how they're going to prepare the next set of guys coming in to really be, you know, be the, be the real deal. So. I, I mean, I, I think too, like you were saying, I don't know. I think one thing that's not helpful with the skill development is some of these freaking 
mini bulls and stuff that some of these kids are getting on. I mean, holy crap, Cody. Some of these mini bulls are bucking like that for his size. Some of these kids for their size and the size of that mini bull, they just went 93 points all day long. But physically, that's the question. They could have all the talent in the world, but physically, oh, what are they doing to kids? I've I've not been a I've not been a mini bull fan. Uh, you know, whatever. It's it's a it it's actually a, a kind of a cool, you know, thing for you know, kind of a showcase type deal. But I think I think in my opinion is there's there's too many bulls that don't buck and too many bulls that do buck. There's that that middle ground. There's not that help them them boys that have some up and down and have a little bit of timing. They either, they either haul ass and yank them kids or they buck way too hard for the kid to even be prepared for what's fixing to happen. So I've not been a, I've not been a big, you know, and, and it goes back to my, me getting on 2,500 head of roping steers. I learned how to ride. I, there's a lot of them kids that go to these mini bull deals. They, they're never going to learn how to ride. And then they're going to be thrown in the fire, getting on, real you know real bucking bulls and not even know what they're doing right or wrong what about horses did you get on a lot of a lot of horses <laughs> just you talking about bucking horses or just riding horseback riding horses you know different yeah I, I rode horses from the time i was you know i went on my first roundup when i was four years old I never I had a never had a kid saddle i was always riding my dad's or my grandpa's saddle or or riding bareback. So I did a lot of that. And I think that's beneficial. I, I believe that was part of my, my process of being, you know, getting where I could ride good. And, uh, and so it's kind of built into me to, to hang on with my legs and learn how to adjust my body and stuff. And so I, at all my schools, I tell them, Hey, if you have access to, to riding, you know, horse bareback, do it, do it a lot. I found it, which surprised me because I didn't I wasn't involved in rodeo, but I rode horses a lot, you know, and trained colts and stuff. And I just I was shocked by how many bull riders don't even get on horses. <laughs> no, they don't. And I, you know, I, I'm an advocate of riding riding bareback horses and broncs too. Oh, really? Yeah, because I, it, it it just it just gives you, I don't know, it just makes you, it just makes you understand how to think like an animal and. Yeah, I don't know. Keep, keep your feet moving and getting on bucking animals. I mean, there's got to be some. Yeah, exactly. I've never been on ones other than you know colts and horses, but I yeah. I've never been in a rodeo event. Yeah, I got I rode a lot of bareback horses and broncs and uh, more bareback horses than I did broncs. But um, shucks, I don't think it's a bad thing for guys to do that. You know, it, I think it'll help. Yeah, heck, it worked for Dalen. <laughs> Dale and Swearing. That's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> bareback horses or Bronx. And yeah. Ross Coleman was the same way. He, he rode bareback horses and, and Just McBride. Just, those two guys, first time I saw them, they were at college. They they went to school uh, at UNLV and I was judging a college rodeo that they were at and they were both bareback riding some of the bucks and their bull riding was not overly impressive. I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, it, it didn't stand out compared to their bareback riding. They, those guys could ride and I think McBride might have even won the national title in the high school in bareback riding. Really? I think I heard that. I don't know if that's true, but but Ross Coleman could have gone to the NFR riding bareback horses, but he chose PBR and you know. Yeah. I didn't know that. Shane Proctor, he did uh what is he do? Edelbron? Yeah. He probably rode bareback horses too, knowing him. He yeah, tough guy. But 
Yeah. There's a lot of guys, you know, Dan Morrison, Dan Morrison was a bull rider before he was a bareback or a saddle bronc rider. Was there more of that back in the day than, than nowadays? Yeah. 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 There was a lot like, like Jim Sharp wrote, got on Bronx and, and I think Clint Bronger did. I know, you know, tough and Cody Lambert and like, we all, like we all entered the bronc riding at Colotus, Texas one time to, cause they were giving an all around trailer, you know, so we were all, <laughs> We're all trying to win this at the trailer, but uh, yeah, the David Fournier rode Bronx pretty good, and, and I mean, there's there's a lot of guys that rode multiple multiple events, you know, and it's just it's different now. More guys are focused on bull riding, which is fine. I mean, it'd be like it'd be like trying to play every sport. You, you take you take the one that you're you excel at and spend more time there than you. It's gonna probably benefit you but i think there for a little bit there was so much more money in bull riding than everything else but that's starting to change a little bit i mean that's one thing that i've started noticing is the sport of rodeo is growing as far as each discipline not just bull riding but these other disciplines are starting to you know grow and and the contestants getting paid like they should which is cool to see yeah it's exciting to watch man i'm a i'm a big rodeo fan i love every event and I've I've done nearly every event. I've never jumped off a horse on a steer, but I threw a bunch of them when I was a kid. <laughs> but uh, I love every I love every every you know event in the sport. It's kind of kind of exciting. Uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the gold buckle printing. So tell everybody a little bit about what you're doing with the gold buckle printing. Yeah, so I got it. I got involved with this company that they were they had a they got a printer that can print color and. And so I just started selling for them. I was selling rodeo back numbers and, and stuff like that. And then I ended up buying, buying into the company. So I'm one of the owners now. And we just, we got, um, well, Denver, Fort Worth, San Antonio, Houston. We did, we're not doing Houston this year, but we did last year. Um, believe we have the American this year. We've done Cheyenne for three years and, I mean, there's all kinds of rodeos. I could start naming a bunch of them, but we do we do a lot of stuff on leather. All these leather back numbers that you see on TV, those are ours. Well, heck, I saw I saw MRCA. You did one for MRCA, and so MRCA the last two years when I've gotten came back from injury, I've went and rode. You're talking about riding a high percentage. I'd go to those little deals and I'd ride ninety percent of my bulls. You know, going yeah. to the MRC, that'd be anywhere from 72 to 88, but mostly right around 80 points is what you're getting on. And yeah. so I saw that and I thought that was funny because the last two years I won MRCA, uh, won a saddle and, you know, all so you, that. But. So you got a couple of them back numbers yourself, huh? Yep. So, <laughs> I mean, they're like something you'll hang on the, hang yeah. on the wall and that kind of stuff. You know, it's like back in the day, really, maybe, maybe Houston and Cheyenne and, I I don't know that I even have a Pendleton back number, but you know I got you know NFR, but was the one you kept, and maybe the Dodge Circuit Finals and stuff like that. But there wasn't a whole lot back in the day that people keep, and now there's you know everybody's everybody's got something that shows hey I was I went to yeah I went to Fort Worth and you know Fort Worth customizes theirs and puts contestant names on there and stuff like that. So it's it's pretty cool, and I I'm excited to you know like all those rodeos that I got to ride at that were, I'm, I'm, you know, I've got, I guess part of my, um, part of the reason that we're doing well is just my relationship with committee people and stuff like that along the, over the years. So 
I've got some inside contacts that that are, you know, help me that way. Frank Thompson's a, bear, uh, a steer wrestler that's a good friend of mine, and he's a he's part of the committee there at Cheyenne, and he's the one I called. That was the first big big rodeo I got was Cheyenne, and I called Frank, and he said, "Well, let me give this guy's number." And we uh we had a sample in their hands two days after I talked to him, and we got the order. So we've been doing it. It's, we've done it three years in a row. So pretty exciting. Pretty good yeah. stuff. Yeah, we actually. Canadian, we did the Canadian finals this year. That, oh, that's did really you? Good. That is, that's cool. Yeah, really good. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. So, Gold Buckle Printing is is the name of the company, and it's just we're on Instagram, Facebook, and we get website goldbuckleprinting.com. So, um, we can do we can do banners, we can do we do custom keychains, we do we do hat stickers, we do all kinds of cool stuff, vest stickers, stuff like that. Yeah, pretty pretty exciting, pretty cool business. How does it work like design? Like, do the do, do, does the person that's ordering kind of send you like a digital image and you kind of Pretty much? Yeah, it's I mean, we've got we've got graphic designers there working for us. So we've done some, but most time people pretty much know what they want and kind of have it laid out how they want it for us. So, but I, yeah, we... I definitely like that because, man, you get a bunch of them freaking back numbers that are paper and they're cool and all, but they freaking wrinkle up and they tear and. It's kind of cool to have something, you know. And they disappear like heck. I don't know where all you know. I kept some, but I don't even know where they're at, you know. And you don't know where you got them from after you got fifty of them, yeah. <laughs> unless they say say where it's at. Exactly. Yeah, so it's it's a good business. It's growing. We're doing good. We're we're excited. I'm going up to the NFR this year to spend time at the convention, just talk to to rodeo committees, and and we're getting into the wedding venue stuff now, like Western Wedding weddings and stuff like that so we're we got a lot of stuff going it's kind of a cool deal yeah that is cool uh you know Thanks before for... before i let you go uh what are like what's your schedule like for schooling like are you doing that throughout the year how often are you putting on on schools as well for the kids yeah this well so this year i've done to date i've done 24 schools and i've got three left to the end of the year so i'd be 27 this year and i right now i've i've got probably 12 12 of them scheduled for the new new year and um my my instagram my facebook i always post post my updated schedule on there so um i don't have a website myself for for my schools but um i do have a cody custer rodeo or bull riding clinic uh page on both instagram and and uh facebook and then my personal same thing i keep that i kind of keep that updated as, as much as i can so I got quite a few of them coming up in January, February, March. So pretty exciting. I like doing it. I like working with guys and just, heck, I learned something about every school. I learned something else about how to be a better coach and teach people, you know, the right stuff. So pretty exciting. Yeah, that is, man. And I know like coming up and, you know, my career, you know, I haven't been to any of your schools, but I've paid pretty close attention to what I've seen on Facebook and stuff on your teaching and, just talking to my buddies and stuff. And, uh, you know, I remember yeah. even this last year when I was struggling and, uh, Keith Hall told me, he's like, you need to get a hold of Cody. <laughs> and yeah. that was about the time when the Brazilians really kind of started helping me out. And, and it's even, you know, just listening to you talk, it's funny. Like, you know, you're never too old to learn. And, you know, yeah. you know, like 
like you were saying, I'm 29 and I feel like I'm nowhere near, you know, the prime of my career yet. You know, I still got, you know, I've learned a lot and taken that next step, but you know, I well, think there's a benefit that you kind of have as, as starting at 18, your body was preserved at a young age. And so you don't have injuries going into your adulthood. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You didn't come into your adulthood with some injuries. There's a lot of kids that got bad elbows by the time they're 16 or whatever. So you do have a benefit in that where you're going to, your career is going to go longer age wise than. Yeah. Than you you say that. And that's interesting. Cause like, I've had a lot of like injuries and, and a lot of, you know, but n- nothing chronic. Like I've had the surgeries, but once they were fixed, I didn't have issues with them again, yeah. you know? And so that well, probably that's a benefit. So really, you, you weren't behind the game. You know what I'm saying? You, you probably were, you, you're probably in a good spot really. And and if you're a guy that, you know, which I can tell just by talking to you and your demeanor and all that stuff, you're a go-getter. You're going to keep working at it and trying and, you know, learning new things and putting all that stuff into use. So that that says that says as much as anything for a guy, how, how they're going to – how their career is going to go, you know. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But, I mean, heck, definitely the youth coming up. Man, they need all the help that they can get because the ABBI and the breeding programs, they're not going to, there's not going to become less ranked bulls in the next. No, those, <laughs> no. <laughs> they can't hardly buck any harder than they some of do. My gosh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, Tyler Maynard, we were at the UTB in Sacramento and it was his first event and he got into the championship round and he's like, I want the buckiest bull in here. And Cooper Davis walked up to him and said, Bud, they all buck. <laughs> Coming from the champ. Uh, so, uh, yeah. But heck yeah. Well, thanks for being on here. I know a bunch of guys have been asking. I've been hurt. I've been framing houses for uh, one of my buddies. And there's a couple ex-Amish boys that started riding bulls. And they've been waiting for me to do a podcast with you. So a little appreciate it. Well, cool, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's fun, fun talking about bull riding and, and life and all that. So um, Heck yeah, I, I we'll, appreciate you we'll, having me. We'll definitely do it again sometime. Maybe next time you can do it in the wagon. This is it's where I live on the road. We're doing it all in here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me, buddy. Heck yeah. We'll, we'll see you later. Right. God bless you, man.